Welcome to the Franchise You Podcast, where key industry leaders provide education and inspiration. Here's your host, Dr. Kathy Gosser, the director of the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. Well, hello there. With me today, I have Jerry Akers. Jerry has quite a story to tell us. So I'm so glad to have you here because you're clearly an expert in franchising. Right now, you own over 30, I think 36 great clips, salons, and you're a regional developer for the joint chiropractic franchise. You are in three states, Iowa, Nebraska, South Dakota, and you're a franchisee of the joint chiropractic as well. So how fascinating to have two disparate companies, and and we're going to delve into that, but there's more. You also have co-written a book with um, someone on franchising and all this great advice, which we'll talk about. You're active in the IFA and the leadership, and you are a gifted speaker. I don't know how you do it all, Jerry, but I'm so glad you're here. And let's unpack all that you do. Oh, man, I'm so glad to be here, Kathy. This is going to be fun. I love sharing uh, with the world about franchising, and I know that's one of your passions, too. So we're going to have a great conversation. I think so. I think so. Well, let's get started. I kind of want to go back to when you were nine years old. So I read in your book that you tell your story that you wanted a baseball mitt and you couldn't afford it. And so you saw an ad in Boys Life and you decided it was an ad that said you can earn $100 if you sell 30 boxes of cards. And you did it. And you got that baseball mitt. So you actually were an entrepreneur and a go-getter at age nine. Now I have to ask, do you still have that baseball mitt? I do still have that baseball mitt, and it means the world to me because literally it started me off on my entrepreneurial journey. You know, when you do that at nine years old, you really have no idea where it's going other than the fact you have that baseball mitt that you wanted. But I learned so much about hard work and accomplishment and taking something that you've grown or acquired, in that case, a baseball mitt, and turning it into a whole other piece of your life through playing and so on. So uh, I just took all of that and extrapolated and put that into the business world, Kathy. Well, that's great. And while you never hit the home run with the Cubs that you hope to in baseball, you have done so in the world of franchising. And so let's start with that journey with great clips. So you have you and your wife, Mickey, who I love her title, Chief Hugs Officer. I mean, how (laughs) cute is that? That says everything about her. But you all have 36 of these great clips right now, and you want to open even more. I also saw um, a video where you talked about the reason you guys did this was that you really wanted to have income in your retirement and establish generational wealth. So Great Clips was your first venture, but why did you choose Great Clips? Literally at that time, I was doing business consulting, Kathy, and I worked with a lot of businesses that had been kind of run into the ground, and and they really didn't have money to pay a consultant, to be very honest with you. And because of my passion for helping people, uh, I entered into a no-pay agreement with some of them. And at some point in time, yeah, I know, I know it's crazy, (laughs) but that's my heart. And uh, at some point in time during that process, as we were turning their company around and they started seeing profit, they said, oh my gosh, I would be bankrupt. I wouldn't be in business if it wasn't for you. I want you to own part of my company so that I can keep you involved for years. At that point in time, I owned part of 17 different companies. 
And wow. while I loved that, at some point in time, I wanted to transition that ownership back to the original owner and so that they could have the benefit of full ownership rather than partial. So um, I was working with a business broker. Uh, and literally, he was paying me to consult on businesses he was trying to sell that were underperforming. And what would I do to fix that so they would be worth more to a buyer? And uh, in, along the way, he said, would you consider buying another business? And I said, maybe if it cash flowed and if it had a general manager and so on. And he brought me great clips. And literally, Kathy, my first comment was, are you nuts? I don't know anything about hair. I don't want to be in hair. I'm not going to do this. And he convinced me, he was a very wise man. He convinced me to, uh, you know, do my due diligence. So I did uh, validation calls, as most franchisees, franchisors suggest and talked to some existing franchisees who had backgrounds similar to mine and had some of the same fears and were now successful. And then I talked to the corporate people and they were just like me. They were very friendly, outgoing, helpful people. And so my wife and I, Mickey, uh, we literally were driving back from Minneapolis and she said, this sounds crazy, but I think we should do it. And so we bought our first great clips after that trip. Oh, that is so great. And I read that you wanted to change lives with great clips and you've done that. Would you talk maybe or give an example of what that means to you and what you've done? Oh, Kathy, this is uh, you're going to make me tear up as I tell these stories. You know, um, in in hairstyling, so many of these stylists come from difficult backgrounds, difficult childhoods. Uh, many of them are single moms. Many come from multi-generational uh, income issues, uh, poverty in many cases. So uh, when they become an employee of ours, they become part of our family. And we really, we live that. It's on our sleeve. We, we just, mm -hmm. they're part of our family. So we've, we've spent a lot of time. I, I personally have done uh, budget, personal budgeting classes for groups of these stylists. We teach them that there is a life beyond what they have lived in the past and that they can reach for that ring. And I could tell those stories for hours, literally new cars, new homes, uh, moving from uh, you know the, the worst high school in town to the best high school in town, uh, all of those kinds of things. And that's how we built the structure and the culture of our group is around those kinds of things. And it, it is really our biggest passion in this business. And you can tell that because the things I've read, you do an annual holiday party with your stylist where it's not it's not just cookies and punch. It is a fancy dinner. And I, I also read that you had stated it's not a financially feasible thing to do, but it, it is from your heart and it makes a difference with those stylists and their families. Oh, my gosh, Kathy, that's our favorite time of the year. So, you know, so many franchisees you know, for Christmas or the holidays, we'll send a $50 gift card to their employees. And, and that's great. I'm not dismissing that at all. For us, we want to take it to a new level because so many of our stylists, they struggle and they don't really have a lot of fun things they do in their life. So we want to give them that opportunity once a year to actually dress up. So they'll go out and buy a used ball gown or something like that, like prom day or something like that. And they will show up dressed to the nines. They'll take lots of pictures with their friends and it turns into a huge celebration. And truthfully, we lose money on this thing. If you look at it as an employee benefit, but it's not a money. It's about building culture. It's about giving them something really fun to do. So we may spend as much as 50 grand on one of these things, give away big screen TVs, cruises, all that kind of cool stuff for people that generally may not be able to buy that stuff by themselves. And it really fills their bucket as well as ours. 
That is so great. I mean, it's really, you are being a difference maker. And I think in franchising, what I love about franchising is it has the family feel and you've brought that to your individual one. So you've done a, just an a amazing job with great clips. And then you added an, another brand, the joint <laughs> chiropractic clinic. So are you a chiropractor? That's my first question. I am not a chiropractor and would never be a chiropractor simply because I, I don't do, you know, I don't want to be the one doing the medical stuff. Uh, but I've been going to a chiropractor since I was eight years old. So I do understand the value of it and how it changes lives. And, uh, I'll tell a quick story how I got into it. My kids had taken over running Great Clips, uh, two of my daughters and my son-in-law. And they literally said, Dad, you've worked two jobs at the same time for most of your life. And you've put in enough hours and we've got this. So why don't you start retiring? And uh, that lasted for about two weeks. And I discovered retirement isn't something I do well. And I had a buddy approach me and he said, uh, I'd love to be in a franchise business with you. Why don't you go find one and, and we'll do it together. And so I did uh, due diligence like I would coach any potential franchisee to do and uh, had some guidelines that I wanted to follow in my next uh, endeavor and um, ended up with the joint chiropractic. Uh, it didn't end up working out for my buddy because he had other things he ended up doing, but I was so far into it, I continued to do it. And I'll tell you, it is... Uh, again, life changing, right? You know, with 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 uh, great clips, we talk about how a customer may come in and they're having the worst day of their life, and a stylist, you know, does their thing with them and makes them look beautiful or handsome, and they walk out and it changes their outlook on life. And with chiropractic, it's the same way. You know, if you're in pain, and one of my doctors gets you out of pain and puts you on a long term plan to keep you out of pain and help you be more comfortable and so on. Um, it, it just, it tugs at my heartstrings when I see those people walking out with a smile on their face. So, um, it seems crazy, Kathleen, but I just love it. You know, there's a two common denominators with both of these businesses. One is that they make people feel great. And two is that you obviously have been engaged with both since you've been going to a chiropractor since you were young and you're obviously getting your hair cut on a regular basis. <laughs> so you also practice those. Now I have to ask because I can't imagine the differences in leading hairstylists and doctors. So what is the primary difference? Like how do you manage both businesses that have such a different talent pool? Well, there's two real big things for me. One of them is income and benefits and it doesn't make any difference what category you come from. You would like to improve your income and taking care of your family and benefits. So with both sides, we have to talk to them a little bit differently because, um, you know, doctors are doctors and they have different expectations than cosmetologists for the most part. Uh, but they both still want to do a better job for their family. So the conversations with the two of them, you know, we might change the numbers a little bit. The benefits may slightly change, not a lot, but it's the same kind of conversation. What do you want for your family? What do you want for your future? How can I help you reach your goals? And then we just structure something to work with any of those people. Um, and, and then the other piece of that is just understanding where they come from. Cosmetologists tend to want a lot of leadership because any leadership they've had in their growing up and so on has probably been bad leadership. So they need really good, solid, strong leadership. And frankly, a lot of my employees at Great Clips look at me more like a father figure than they do anything else. And so that's a whole different relationship we could talk about too. Um, but with doctors, 
I approach that a little bit different. They're going to do what they're going to do, and they kind of manage themselves. So in that case, I give them the flexibility. You know, I talk about, you know, drawing the lines on a football field, and everything everything inside of that is mine. Everything outside of it is yours. When you want to cross that line, just let me know so we can talk about what that looks like. And you as a leader, if it makes sense, we'll go ahead and allow you to bring that in. So I create a situation or an atmosphere with my doctors where we're going to work together to make this the best business we can. You being the doctor, you've got way more than I do to do with this. So let's talk about how we can use your skills to improve your life as well as improve this business. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that. I could see those commonalities the way that you described it. So in the joint chiropractic business, you are actually a regional developer and a franchisee. Can you discuss what the difference is here? Well, yeah, you know, it's my first foray into a regional developer. And it's, uh, it's interesting because you're, you're kind of a quasi corporate person, but you're still a franchisee. Uh, and because one of the deals to be a regional developer, you've got to own at least one clinic of your own. So you know what it's like to be a franchisee. Uh, I just chose to put that on steroids and <laughs> build, build lots of clinics. Um, but it makes me more empathetic to um, my franchisees that I'm bringing in in the other two and a half states that I'm responsible for because I, I live their life. So having a conversation with them is more one-on-one than it is for uh, what you would get from a corporate standpoint. So uh, it's really funny because um, every franchisee I've brought into the joint says, Jerry, I probably wouldn't have done it if it weren't you. And with your success, I know you'll guide me on all of these first few things that I don't understand. And, and I'll find the same level of success that you have. So um, I, I text constantly with my franchisees, checking on them. I think it's made me a really successful regional developer because I understand both sides of that. But there are times when I have to separate myself from the franchisee and the quasi-franchisor side when I'm holding a franchisee accountable mm-hmm. or not allowing them to do something they think would be really cool but doesn't fit the franchise they, they bought. So mm-hmm. uh, most of the time, it's really great. Other times, I've, I've got to be the high school principal bringing the you know, the kid into the room to say, uh, we got to change attitude here a little bit. So it can be a little stressful at times, Kathy, but it's really a lot of fun. I can imagine. And I have to smile at how it's called the joint because you can have a lot of fun with that. And you talk <laughs> about, hey, what's going, what's going on around this joint? That is hilarious. So um, what, a, what a great name. But so you, you've done all that and now you have a book, but we're going to talk about that in a moment. But first of all, I want to talk a little bit more about your role as a franchisee. So in reading about you and listening to you, you are quite the entrepreneur from age nine. So why did you, and then you own you own interest in all those businesses you've described. So why did you become a franchisee versus open up your own business? Well, uh, firstly, uh, it started out just, I had never owned a franchise and this broker approached me to buy an existing franchise. And I thought it would be a great opportunity to learn, you know, another version of business. And what I discovered really quickly with that was that it allowed you to scale really quickly. Any franchisor gives you a playbook. They give you things that you have to abide by and things you can and can't do and so on. Uh, But they also generally give you some latitude to layer on, uh, approve things on top of that. And with my um, background and experience and skills in other businesses, uh, I was creating from the get-go. 
So uh, if you talk to somebody in marketing at Gray Eclipse, they would tell you that quite a bit of what's rolled out for new openings and growing clinics and things like that may have started with my organization at some point in time, um, because we would we would try things that nobody else would try and we'd make them work and then it would become a playbook for other franchisees. So continuing with franchising was frankly way easier than trying to open multiple businesses on your own. And so I will share this with you. I not only have the joint, but I'm involved in buying some others and I may have six or eight different franchise groups before long. So More on that later, Kathy. Oh my gosh, that is exciting. And you know, I I love what you said about even though you're with a franchise that you can still evolve and innovate. And one way to do that is you serve on the Great Clips Advisory Board. So I know what advisory boards have the capacity to do, but can you talk about how that's set up and maybe give an example of something that's come out of the franchise system that's made a difference in one of the brands? Yeah, you know, if you work for a corporation, the corporate group comes down with edicts and they tell you this is how things are going to be. When you're part of a franchise group and you uh, uh, are on the uh, franchisee advisory committee, depending on what they call it in that franchise group, um, you have the opportunity to give them your feedback as a franchisee. So, for instance, if they were going to roll out uh, new colors for the brand or new expectations or new equipment or something like that, new price points, new marketing. You get the opportunity to look at it first, tell them whether you like it, you don't like it, make suggestions or things like that. So it allows uh, franchisees to feel like they have a say in what's going on at the corporate level and also that they can move what direction the corporation goes to some extent. And you cannot do that anywhere except in franchising. Many of the best ideas in for any franchise or comes from the field and it'll work its way up through the franchise advisory committee and get to corporate and suddenly they go, hey, let me, you know, let's test that a little bit. And here we are. So but also there's things corporate has tried to do coming from the top down in the past that they hadn't thought through from our level, the street level. And we were able to talk about the other side of what might happen if they made those things happen and uh, able to talk them out of it. So I can talk about some uh, some marketing that they wanted to do. And we were thinking about it from small town America and what our customers would think about it. And we were not fond of it. So they would tweak it and make it more palatable. Uh, there were lots of things related to real estate and certainly construction. I, I have served on the, uh, uh, the facilities committee for a long time and uh, still help them because of my contracting background, help them with some of that. And we've been able to guide them on some really good money management things as far as what you would use when you're wanting to remodel uh, or build a space. And uh, it, it has changed the lives for franchisees and many of them will never know of the advisory board's involvement. Right. You know, I had a lot of experience with that at Young Brands and I really admire franchisors who leverage that wonderful opportunity to hear from their franchisees and, and do the right thing. So that's fantastic. And they certainly are lucky to have you on that advisory board. So if I were to ask you right now, what is the biggest challenge? Let's say, for example, in Great Clips, what is the biggest challenge you all are facing right now? Staffing. Yeah. No doubt staffing. I and I think everybody's facing that. You know, I walk into restaurants that half of it is closed because they don't have enough staff. And I literally went through a drive through for a sub sandwich place. And the lady at the window was making the sandwiches. Yeah. So she was waiting on you and making sandwiches. So with Great Clips, we've got uh, lots of customers wanting to come in the door, uh, but we cannot service all of them right now because our staffing is uh, 
Uh, I think we're down to about 15 or 18 percent below where we were pre-pandemic, but it's still uh, very, very tight and very difficult. And so I would say that's the number one reason. Right now, there's lots of money available if you want to buy a franchise. There's mm -hmm. some great franchise opportunities out there. Everything is in line, but we've got to consider the staffing component. Could not agree with you more. Well, I'm going to segue into your book because that's how I met you. I met you at the IFA conference, and I was so impressed with the book that you and Dr. Jeffrey Kaplan wrote, and it's called Live It to Own It, Beyond the Pitch, Promise, and Prospectus, Making the Cut in the World of Franchise Ownership. Now, the title alone makes someone like me just want to grab it and read it. And I actually read it on the plane home because it was such a good guide. So it's, a, it's totally a, a guide to franchising. But first, I read about why Dr. Kaplan wanted to meet with you. He'd gone to two different great clips and both of his style, both the stylists he had talked about you and Mickey and said, hey, you've got to meet my owners. So I thought that was really impressive. And it says a lot about you. But why did you decide to join him in writing this book? Well, part of it comes from my desire to help people, Kathy. And, you know, prior to writing the book, I would get a call from a franchisee in another part of the United States saying, I'm really struggling with X, and I know you're an expert on it. Can you come help me? And I jump on a plane and go help them. And most of the time, they didn't pay for anything. Sometimes they pay for my expenses, but it was just what we do. And when uh, my now brother, Jeff, almost approached me and said, you know, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about here and it would be better suited for a book setting. I said, sure, because I looked at it as an opportunity to help thousands of people instead of 10 people. Uh, I really wanted to expand the, my bandwidth and be able to help a lot more people. Oh, I love that. And I figured that was your answer, to be honest. I probably would have said that's what he'll say. Now, the book is a, is a guide to those considering franchising. And one of my favorite features of this book is that every chapter starts with what is called, and this is so clever, Acres of Advice. I just love the play on words where you give a chance to give some personal counsel. So for the listeners, they're in luck because I'm going to ask you to give your three top tips that maybe what you share in the book, maybe what you're thinking about that could help anyone considering a career in franchising. Oh, boy, that, you know, we could talk for hours just on yes. that, Kathy. But the three top tips. Uh, number one, I would say, and this is one of my most critical ones when I'm validating with people, is make sure that you can follow a system because there are people out there that cannot. And a franchise system is literally a system. And if you want to open your own hairstyling salon, then open Jerry's Cuts. But if you want to be a franchisee, you have to follow the system they put in place. You're paying for it and you have to follow it. And there are some people that just cannot follow a system. So number one, make sure that you can do that, Kathy, because if you can't, both you and the franchisor will be miserable and I will guarantee you probably won't stay in the system very long. So save yourself a lot of pain. So number one, my second one would be do your due diligence. Do not miss the opportunity to learn as much as you can about that franchise system before you make the leap. Many people would think they would love to be in a restaurant business, but don't really understand what it's like to actually run a restaurant business. So make sure that you're doing your discovery day, that you're doing research online before you even get that far, that you read the FDD, and that you do uh, validation calls with existing franchisees so you can ask the really tough questions of them before you take that leap. And then the last thing I would tell them, Kathy, is you got to understand as the owner in this thing, you're the last person to get paid. 
So you're going to have some times early on when your business does not cash flow. Many franchisees choose to continue their regular corporate job while they get their first one started, or their spouse will continue their job while the other spouse gets it started or something so that you've got income and benefits and so on. But understand, it's going to take several months and maybe a couple of years in some cases to reach a point where you can take a really good paycheck out of that business. You know, reading the FDD, which all franchisees have to do and sign off on it, reading the FDD uh, and understanding the numbers. So the quartiles of uh, costs and revenue and profit and all those kinds of things are critical. So those are my top to-dos, I guess, when you're looking at a franchise, Kathy. Those are excellent. And I would definitely ascribe to those as well. So let me, as we as we wind down, I can't believe our time is coming to an end, but you talk about your daughters being in the business. Can you talk about what roles they play and what it's like to work with family? Pride of my life that they are running my company and frankly, probably doing it better than I did, Kathy. So I'd love to talk about them. Well, my oldest daughter, Sam, uh, went to college to be uh, a cop. She grew up on CSI and all of that stuff and loved it and then discovered it wasn't as much fun as she thought it was going to be. And uh, we were growing so fast, we needed somebody internally to help me with a lot of the operation stuff. And originally, the thought was, you know, she could handle some accountability stuff. Uh, we had cameras, she could take care of any theft issues. And, you know, there would be some things for her to do. Well, she became a mini me and would follow me around for the first year or so. And before long, she was pitching in on conversations and giving ideas. So then I spent another year following her around and guiding her. And ultimately she took over all of our operations, all of our training, all of our support of uh, staff and so on. And she won general manager of the year from Great Clips Corporate a few years ago. And she is rock solid when it comes to that. Um, our youngest daughter, Shelly, is wired much like my wife, loves accounting, back office stuff. She hates being in front of people doesn't really like talking to people if she can help it other than when she has to. So uh, she took over for my wife doing payroll and benefits and all of those kinds of things. And uh, I can't even tell you how well she's doing because she's had to manage some really tough financial situations through COVID, mm -hmm. government uh, funding, uh, getting back from understaffing and all of that. So she's She's just been, I, I'd rather have her managing the federal budget right now than mine, to be honest, because We'd be under control pretty quick if she was doing that. But uh, so she's doing phenomenal. We brought my son-in-law in, Shelly's husband. He took over the last of my responsibilities, which was real estate uh, and marketing. And he is killing it. Uh, so overall, they're doing a much better job than I and my wife did when we were doing it. But it's been fun to pass it off to them. That's wonderful. And it's just awesome that their strengths work together so beautifully. So th that is really lucky. One more thing that'll go along with the kids and yeah. our culture and everything else, just to kind of wrap it up. I was worried about what we were going to do to continue to be the employer of choice. Yes. We bought a daycare. Oh my gosh. Because one of the biggest problems my, my employees have is finding quali quality daycare at an affordable price. So we bought a daycare. Uh, it's managed under our corporate heading, so it's a part of our Great Clips group, if you will. And uh, um, it has, you know, regular people who take their kids there for whatever fees. And then we subsidize 
the fees for the children of our staff to take their children there to get better care, better food, better education, all of those kinds of things. So that was something our family decided to do to help just keep raising the bar. Oh, Jerry, that is amazing because that is a huge issue for so many people. So that is just, I was going to ask you about giving back, but I think that's a beautiful way to give back <laughs> to your employees. I think you um, definitely have responded to that question. Um, what are you most proud of when you look back at your career? You know, it's impacting lives, Kathy. That, that is really, I think, what I was put here for. And I, and I married a wonderful woman who believes the same things, and now we brought kids up. I managed the stage for the Jerry Lewis Labor Day Telethon for 20 years as just a volunteer. And uh, my daughters grew up helping with that. And that whole love of helping other people has continued. And so that's the proudest thing. It's it's the legacy I want to leave is that I changed not only my family's lives, but literally thousands of lives through the employees and their children and children's children and so on. And, you know, you can always find ways to make money and to find success. But for me, um, you know, I'm comfortable, I'm well taken care of, and I'm able to just change lives everywhere I touch. And I'm going to continue to do that until I can't do it anymore. Ah, Jerry, that's just, that's amazing. So my last question, and it's a loaded question since you wrote a whole book on this, but I ask it of everyone, um, anything you wish you had known when you first started into the world of franchising? Yeah, you know, um, and this is a positive thing. I wish I'd have known how frankly, easy it is to leverage and grow and so on, because um, we didn't get into franchising until I was about 45 years old, maybe a little older. And I started looking at franchising when I was 25. Literally, Entrepreneur Magazine highlighted all of those kinds of things. You probably saw that in the book. Had I made the decision at 25 or 30 to get into it, where would I be today and how many lives would I have impacted? So uh, the one thing I wish I'd known was how powerful it was and how much you could do with it, not only for yourself and your family, but everybody else. And I I would have done it a lot sooner, Kathy, to be very honest with you. And I, I coach franchisees on that every day. That's wonderful. Well, Jerry, I can't thank you enough. I hate it that our time is up, but thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Kathy. Franchise You is brought to you by the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. For more information on the center, visit business.louisville.edu slash yumcgfe. Thank you for listening to Franchise You.